Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Sunday, August 7th, 2022. Welcome to a new episode of the Now Mind You podcast. This is episode 31, Combat. I'm TJ. I'm Matt. And today we have quite the docket. We have Matt, who will be covering in terms of our boxing, Ortiz Jr. versus McKinson. Then we're going to jump into UFC Fight Night, Santos versus Hill. Spoilers, if you haven't watched the fights, do what you got to do. Then meet us back over here. But I'm not going to waste any time. Right, Matt, you want to take us into Ortiz Jr. versus McKinson? Yep. So we had in the welterweight division, we have Virgil Ortiz Jr. versus Michael McKinson. Virgil Ortiz Jr. is a 24-year-old guy from Texas. Mm. Um, he was a Mexican man from Texas. He's, this fight actually took place in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, which you know pretty much was a home game for him. Mm-hmm. And he was going up against Michael McKinson. Michael McKinson is also a pretty young prospect that is also undefeated mm-hmm. coming into this fight. Michael McKinson is 28 years old, um, and he was coming in 22-0. and 0. Hmm. Um, Virgil Ortiz, on the other end, was coming in 18-0. Uh, and 0. 18 fights, 18 finishes. Um, Michael McKinson was coming in with, yeah. 22 fights, two knockouts, but mostly decisions. This is a guy that will box your head off. Mm. Southpaw fighter, he will spin you in circles. He will go up and down. He will do everything he has to do, but he is a boxer if he is nothing else. Mm -hmm. That pretty much is the best way to describe his style. Um, Michael McKinson was standing at five foot nine. And on the other end, we had standing at five ten, Virgil Ortiz Jr. So going into this fight, this fight actually was pushed back a significant amount of time um, because Virgil Ortiz uh, had fallen ill with Ram... Uh, rabdo. And, yeah, with Rabdo, basically. Um, if you watch him fight, it totally tracks that he would even get something like that. Um, 100% just because Virgil Ortiz, you don't get... <laughs> you don't get to have a record of all KOs without pushing the pedal to the metal. Mm. This is not a guy that throws anything soft. Not that I've ever seen, like mm-hmm. when he fights. He doesn't throw soft punches, dude. He's putting heat on everything. And, um, you know, it's not a lot of finesse to him. However, that's not to say he is not a smart or, or well-versed boxer. Right. It's what you see is what you get. He's coming right. in with a high guard. He has good head movement. He has good spacing. You know, just puts a lot of torque on those punches and he hurts guys. I mean, you can hear the shots, even the ones that are blocked, you can hear them. That's how hard of a puncher Virgil Ortiz Jr. is. Mm. And um, early on, it seemed like the the game plan for Michael McKinson was to irritate Virgil Ortiz. You know, there was a head clash in the first round that opened a cut. Um, there were times that they were getting wrapped up with each other and he would like grab his leg, things like that. And, um, Virgil was throwing a lot of heat on these punches, but he wasn't landing a lot of shots early on. Um, he was landing here and there, but not nearly as much, you know, uh, as equivalent to the amount of punches he was throwing. Michael McKenson was using a lot of good footwork, a lot of good movement. I also should point out Michael McKenson is a uh, southpaw mm-hmm. to the orthodox style of uh, Virgil Ortiz, but he had a pretty hard time kind of getting to him right away. He was landing some shots, um, but he seemed pretty eager. And eventually he was able to calm down. His coaches had been calling uh, for him to throw body shots and he wasn't really throwing them that often. And 
eventually he started listening and was mixing those body shots in. He was catching um, McKenton on his way, circling out or trying to get away, mm-hmm. which ultimately was able to uh, break McKenton down. And it was a body shot, I believe, in the seventh round. That was the round that he put Michael McKenton down for the first time with a huge left hook to the body. Ugh. And um, yeah, he dropped and he was quiver. able to get, huh? Oh yeah. He dropped and um in the follow in in the remaining like 10, 12 seconds or so, he just got on his bike. He just shuffled around the ring, trying to get his energy back, trying to get his wind back. And mm-hmm. um, like a handful of seconds into that eighth round, he hits him with another body shot and it's kind of a delayed reaction. He goes down again. And as he gets up and tries to circle, you know, Virgil Ortiz is a finisher, man. He smells blood in the water and he goes for it. And as he's trying to circle off, um, McKenson's corner gets up with the towel and they wave the towel and um, the fight ends. Yeah, uh, That was pretty much the end of the bout. Uh, so Virgil Ortiz moves on to 19-0 with another TKO victory under his belt. So he has a 100% finish rating Jesus. Uh, out of 19 fights. And I mean, he's fought some pretty good guys on his way up. His last few fights have all been relatively challenging. So, you know, there's always guys, that, you know, you move them along at a certain pace. And I mean, he's been a busy guy because he has short fights. Right. So, like he fought six times in 2017. Jesus, dude. And of those six times, TJ, Three of those fights ended in the first round. Dude. You know what I'm saying? His yeah. first four fights were all KOs in the first round. His first four were <sighs> first round KOs. Dude. So what you're saying is he's a monster. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, man. He says, so he's looking like a looking like a really strong prospect in the, uh, in the welterweight division, 147. So I look forward to seeing what's coming up next with him. Uh, mm-hmm. But Let's go ahead and rotate over into this UFC. Uh, we gonna, I'm going to treat this. I'm going to talk about this card the way that they was doing these fights. I'm going to act like I got somewhere to be because, man. Hey, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Listen, yeah. UFC Fight Night Santos versus Hill. Uh, this was obviously at the UFC Apex Arena in Vegas. Um, let's just jump right in. Well, okay. Biggest comment, biggest thing that, to, that we need to note. 100% finish rate on this card. Not one fight, ne'er one, ne'er one was a decision, right? Just all just of it. Off, baby. All of it. KOs or submissions. More KOs than subs, low-key. Um, Crazy, also. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's get started, man. We had, in terms of, and this is not just the, the main card, mind you. This was like prelims and main the card, 100%. Card in, in its entirety, 100% finishes. Like the, all finishes. The there judges no looked at their judging cards. Yeah, they looked at their judging cards and threw them shits up, and they're like, we don't need these. Uh, let, let's just get into it, right? First one we had, uh, Terrence T-Rex McKinney versus Eric the Ghost Pepper Gonzalez. Side note, Ghost Pepper? That goes mm-hmm. hard. Um, I'm not mad at it. Yeah, this was a lightweight bout. Let me get into a little bit of fighter data. We had Terrence T-Rex McKinney, 27 years old, right now of the U.S., MMA style made his octagon debut in June of last year. Last three fights, I go least recent to most recent. Uh, for Vola, June, uh, June of last year, got that KO victory over him, right? 
was it Ziam got that submission victory back in February of this year. And then Drew Dober, he took that L via knockout that we watched and covered on the podcast. And mm-hmm. that was a roller coaster of a first round. But the big thing with Terrence is he does not stay in the ring for a very long time. Uh, he's always double parked. He's always got to like, you know, pick up his niece, right? He's, he's always got something going on. Like, I think, I think at this point, it's just like, he has to do that in order to guarantee that he, you know, does what he has to do. Right. He's like, Hey, go ahead. Don't park my car outside the arena real quick. Uh, it's going to motivate me to do what I got to do and get out. Uh, now, on the other end of the spectrum, right? We got Eric, the ghost pepper Gonzalez, 30 years old, uh, find out the U S made his octagon debut October of last year. And his first fight in the UFC was against Mayhem Miller. I think he was filling in uh, for somebody who dropped out of the card, right? Mm-hmm. Took that L by KO, TKO, and it's like, it's, it's Mayhem Miller, dude, right? Um, but let's get into it. Round one. McKinney, as usual, wastes no time. My man threw a head kick in the first opening seconds, right? He- like, Yeah. Uh, oh shit, right? We get a big stuff from Gonzalez, who I will say he looked pretty, pretty good ish, right? Oh, well, mm-hmm. no, no, I'm not. <laughs> he did what he could. I'll just put it that way. Like he was, he was in there. He was trying to fight too. But McKinney is just like, I don't know if you feel this way, but like he does have quite the reach on him. But I feel like it's like, even if he gets hit, he doesn't care. You know what I'm saying? Like he just, yeah. he doesn't care because you don't really. I feel like I don't really see like like when he get when people are striking back at him. I, I feel like he doesn't care if he gets hit too. Like he's he's I think he knows that he's gonna be faster, low key. But like he's just like I want to hurt you, and I also got to go you know check on my car, <laughs> right? I don't know. But listen, uh, there was a point where Gonzalez found an opening for his power hand. But it amounted to nothing because McKinney took him down, and McKinney is just strong and fast, like which is always a problem combination, right? If you're strong, you fast, and you're low key kind of reckless, that could be a problem, right? McKinney gets on Gonzalez's back, and he's got hooks in. Oh shit! There's a rear naked choke. He gets a sub, and his parking meter just ran out. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, jujitsu and shit. I gotta refill my meter. Um, you had any thoughts on that fight, bro? It was like, oh man, I mean, grand opening, grand closing. (laughs) Yeah, T Rex do his thing like that pretty much all the time, and it's he gonna live by that sword or die by it. Seriously, you know what I'm saying? He's Mm -hmm. been stopped early, and he'll stop you early. It's the shit, shit could go either way. So he's dangerous, man. Uh, I saw later on in the night he was talking about he wanted to fight Patty. Um, that'd be a cool fight to see, you know, at some point or another. It definitely would. You know, I'd tune in for it for sure. I mean, my dumb ass gonna tune in anyway, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> right. No need for the self-deprecation, sir. But yes, yes, we will tune in, right? Um, you wanna take us into Augusto Sakai versus Sergey Spivak? So hard to say goodbye, but yeah, so um Is it official? I think so. I mean, it, it hasn't been announced officially, but Writing is on the wall. It's like a four, so, four fight finish skid, right? Yeah. At this point. Yeah, that's literally what it is, too. Um, so we had Augusto Sakai hailing from Brazil. I'm mm-hmm. um, standing at six foot four, two sixty-four. 
77-inch reach, and he was going against Sergei Spivak, who is from Moldova. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can name the polar bear. He's 6'3", 244. He has a 78-inch reach. So nothing really significant um, and certainly nothing that I think will will have played a role um, in how this fight went. So early on, both guys are exchanging and Sergey starts getting the advantage in the hands department mm-hmm. and it forces uh, Augusto back. Augusto, after going backwards, kind of semi shoots a um, semi shoots a desperation takedown, which happens to end up being a mistake. No, 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 I take that back. He engages in the grappling, some stand up grappling to slow Sergey down, mm. and in him doing that, Sergey hits him with a trip that gets him on the ground and essentially makes him swim in canvas um, for the remainder of the fight. That was high key, like yeah, the the story of the fight, man. Those little those little trips he got, yeah. Listen, he utilized these trips, got this guy on the ground, and after getting this guy on the ground, was essentially refusing to let him up, um, just staying all over, staying all over um, Augusto. And I mean, he was very light on his feet once they were on the ground. Like, you know, the nickname of Polar Bear was very apt just in the way that he was moving. Yeah. Very nimble. Um, just Deceptively nimble. Yeah, he was very, you know, just... Like, these quick. are heavyweights, and this guy is moving like... He was 244. He was moving yeah. like a cat. Yeah. Uh, over top of Sakai. And uh, you know, it opens up a cut early on, and eventually, you know, Sakai makes it out of the round. Um, and then we get into that second round, and it's pretty much more of the same. Uh, but now he's kind of mowing uh, Augusto down with his hands. And Sergey was kind of known more as a grappler guy. He isn't necessarily a um, – he wasn't known necessarily as a striker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you wouldn't have been able to tell that Augusto was the striker of the two of them uh, just based off how that fight – you know, how the fight started to play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sergey was dominating him, and that was when he shot for the the leg just to slow him down. And Sergey dropped the hips, um, and he just pretty much stayed on top of him and continued to stay busy and landing punches until eventually the referee had to stop the fight. Yeah. Uh, TJ, did you have any thoughts you want to add on that, Augusto? I think this was my first time watching Spivak or Augusto fight uh, since I've been back into watching MMA events. Mm-hmm. And I will say that Spivak is deceptively fast. I know you said it. I know I'm rehashing it, but it's like you need to understand like how fast this man was. He set a high pace, like, and he was maintaining that high pace uh, throughout round one and what you know was left of round two, obviously. But it's like I was so surprised, and then just the amount of judo and trips, like. I think the first takedown Spivak got was like an inside trip. Like that's straight up wrestling right there. And it was beautiful too. Like, like led with the punch, got the inside of the leg and then, you know, got control of the hips, brought uh, uh, Sakai down. And I was looking at this and then I was looking at my notes. I was like, oh yeah, dude, Sergey Spivak's style is Sambo. No shit. Right. <laughs> like, like, mm-hmm. like it's just, yeah, no, the dude just dominated. Uh, and it was like, it was to the point where the ref, I think, I think it was Mark Smith, was like, "Hey, hey, Augusto, you got, you got to defend, you got to show me something. Or I'm gonna call it." And sure yeah. enough, that's that's what happened, right? He tried to show him something. Yeah, he's like, "All right, well, I can't just let you take all this damage, homie. I'm sorry, but like, 
your life, you, you can always fight some other time. Maybe it might not be this promotion, but you can always fight again. I'm not about to watch you, like, you know, die. Yeah, and it obviously was, like, a little light, um, a light, like you said, um, uh, disagreement about it. Like, no, like, hold on. Like, he tried to protest it, but, like, nah, obviously, was... and I think the protest was just, like, recognizing the situation he was in. Right. You know, like, it's his fourth loss, his fourth TKO stoppage. Right. You know, um, after falling to, and these are all respectable, but still, it's just like, yeah, that's the heavyweight division. Alistair Overeem, Jorginho, Rosenstrike, Ty Tuivasa. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The names. These are all TKO's punches, all three of them. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing. So it's the heavyweight division, man. You know, I say this shit all the time. Like, oh, you know, these hurt or how strong are these guys? Like, you put four ounce gloves on a man that's over 200 pounds and you teach him how to fight. You tell me, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't want any piece of it. I'm good, but I see what you're saying. <laughs> um, but you want to take us in the uh, Walker versus Miller? Yeah, this was going to be the Eight. first. Uh, <laughs> I, I had no clue about the apparent, uh, the apparent bad blood between these two. Like I seriously had no clue. Even the even the promo leading up to it didn't really highlight it that much, low key. Um, but basically, this was a one of two uh ultimate fighter finale fights that were taking place during this fight night, right? So this was for the flyweight division. Basically, it's like who are they gonna feed to Valentina next? Is what mm-hmm. it amounts to, right? But we have Brogan Walker versus Juliana Miller in the women's flyweight, right? So, like I said, this is the ultimate fighter finale fight, and essentially, what does this mean? Whoever's crowned ultimate fighter gets that UFC contract, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, on the one end, we have Brogan the Bear Walker, who does have professional MMA experience outside of the UFC. Uh, 33 years old, fighting out of the USA, you know, currently residing, I believe she was saying that she was mostly training in Guam, has an MMA style, and today, right, she's making her UFC octagon debut while still under the banner of the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, on the other end, we have Juliana Killer Miller, right, who mm-hmm. is also, you know, same thing. Actually, she has a lot less experience. I believe they said she had five, maybe five tops fights before mm-hmm. five tops in terms of fights before making her way to the Ultimate Fighter and thus, you know, debuting here in the UFC octagon. Uh, same thing fighting out of the USA MMA style. Um, and this is her making her UFC octagon debut. Now there was apparently some bad blood between these two. Mm. Um, but one thing I know, one thing I, well, I mean, the ending was like basically made it very clear, but one thing I noticed right off the bat is like the way Juliana Miller looked inside of the octagon. I think I understand why her nickname is killer. To say that she's got like a cold look in her face is like a under like it's almost like expressionless on like some serial killer shit. I was like, hey, what's what's going on with the old girl? Uh, she yeah, good? Is Roy McDonald here? Is she good? <laughs> yeah, right. Like Roy McDonald's known for his like ice cold expression too, right? Like, 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 is she okay? But um, oh, you know one thing I noticed too, because Juliana Pena was obviously in the stand supporting uh her fight. She was uh Miller's coach, right? But I don't know if you like looked at her wrist. Her wrist looked messed up. She obviously has not recovered from last weekend. Uh, ain't no way she's recovered. Like she, I feel like she should have just been at home chilling. But I also understand too, showing support for your 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 athletes, 
Like, I get it. I'm just like, girl, I I really hope you got some ibuprofen or, you know, some reduced swelling down. Like, you, you just, I call you Venezuelan adamantium, but I'd also like for you to just yeah, you, take the you time that like you need. Yeah, you didn't like your boy, uh, and Mashnell was out at events. Like, bro, what Listen, you doing out here? Like, he, well, are we going to rehash that again? <laughs> like, are we gonna, we're going to rehash that. Yes, I agree, man. He got the dog in him. However, uh, he also, you know, used up 10 years of his life, right? Like, that was a wild fight. He got that dub, too. I'm just saying, I'd like to see fighters just get rest. Like, anyway, I digress. Um, They didn't even touch gloves. That should have been my first clue. They like literally did not even touch glove. Brogan is just swinging, right? But Julie, like right off the ex- like off of the initial the initial exchange, you could actually kind of see how the fight was gonna go. High key. Cause Brogan's got like the smaller stature, but you could argue that she's a little bit more built in terms of muscle density, muscle mass. Uh, but Juliana is like so long and tall for the flyweight division. You can instantly see, like, oh, this is just gonna be reach versus no reach all day right like all day like juliana's already showing in that first round that's like hey i could probably hit you with this left hook at any point and stop this fight but it didn't go that way it ended up just being a lot of fence wrestling where you would assume that uh brogan while having the smaller stature should be able to just keep juliana pinned to that fence and just overpower her with strength like think like a hannah goldie um or uh 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 what's our girl what's our girl uh andrage like a jessica andrage like strength like you know what i'm saying like um but that was not the case uh killer miller just showed that hey my fence wrestling is up there at least for this level and you will not dominate the way you think i'm gonna just hold you down on the ground punish you the way i can and sure enough before he knew it damage started accumulating on mm-hmm. brogan's face uh brogan was just mostly staying on her back for a lot of these rounds and then round three uh i thought at some point when miller was able to get the full mount on brogan i thought it looked like she was going to set up for either an arm bar or some type of mounted triangle um but then she was just like no fuck all that shit and again these fists and it was just ground and pound and you got that tko man and it was just what transpired after she won is what like clued me into oh they really did not like each other uh she basically did the dx suck it equivalent man to brogan like as as a ref had to pull her off of her uh ref like key. chill please yeah this is the ultimate fighter this is <laughs> like you need to relax um but what did you think matt hate yeah hatred yeah. It was just there was just darkness, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> between these two women. So Black Air Force One hovering in the spirit realm. Man, just just dark energy. You feel me? <laughs> right. That's ultimately how I felt about it. I felt like man, just the, the crotch shop at the end, the domination, the not touching the gloves, even just the intensity that they were swinging on each other. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It wasn't it wasn't just like, yeah, this is going to be a, an intense fight. Like these two, you know, both people are people that just are going for it. No, both of these girls wanted to send the other one to the shadow round. It was no <laughs> joke. Like that was the goal of both of these women. Shadow round or nothing. Right. You know, and I mean, they lived up to it. I, I don't really have much to add. I felt like you covered it pretty aptly, you know, just in general. I just was like, man, you know, 
they showed up. I mean, everybody showed up to fight, honestly, but you know what I'm saying? They showed up for real. Right. They really need to fix that parking situation out at the Apex Arena because apparently a lot of people's meters are just out here running out, man. Yeah, man. Uh, that being said, you want to take us into the next meters. one? Yeah, so we had another finale for uh, another finale fight for Ultimate Fighter. We had uh, Muhammad Usman. Oh, what? Muhammad the Motor Usman, that sounds familiar to you. Yeah, that's because that's he's right. the younger brother of Kamaru Usman. I found and it hard to believe he was the younger brother. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Right. But um, but yeah, he's the younger brother of Kamaru Usman. And um, you could also know him from his fights that he's had in the PFL prior to joining Ultimate Fighter mm-hmm. um, or his fights in Titan FC. On the other end, he was going against Zach Puaga. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Puaga, who was in Cage Warriors at one time, LFA as well. Um, he was 34 years old. He also had made it to the finals, um, Ultimate Fighter. So the interesting thing that was the difference was Zach was not like some lifelong athlete or something. Literally had like just picked up MMA. For fitness, uh, dude. For fitness. And he just joined the gym for fitness and ended up getting pretty good at it and deciding to fight. Oh, oh, but not to cut you off, guess who was in his gym? Who who else was in his gym, Matt? Yeah, the gym he went to just happened to have Alistair Overeem and uh, Curtis Blades. And who was the <laughs> other guy? I think those were the two, right? It was. I want to say it was one other name that they mentioned on the broadcast, but essentially, you know what I'm saying? Right. He just went to, just strolled into a gym full of killers and was just like, yeah, I'd I think like I want to do this too. MMA thing right? Um, in Colorado. So, you know, he's up there with He's a member of Elevation Flight team, uh, Fight Team, not Flight mm-hmm. Team. Uh, any rate, these guys were also two guys that had, you know, they had some animosity towards each other. And they didn't touch gloves either, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at the beginning of the fight. And these two guys just started letting their hands go right away. Um, it seemed like, excuse me. Sorry, long day. It seemed like Muhammad Usman was more so swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. And he kind of was just lunging into a lot of his shots. And he wasn't able to land a lot of things clean. And Zach was able to capitalize on those mistakes, uh, landing some clean straight right hands, and some clean lefts. You know, he was just landing a lot of clean straight shots. Mm-hmm. Mostly because not necessarily it was easy to, but just in, in that way, he was able to counter Muhammad because Muhammad kind of kept jumping in. Mm-hmm. Um, seemed like he was like you know just a little wound up with the whole moment in the situation and you know he gets back to his corner and you know they pretty much are like yeah man you gotta calm down that's really the problem like just relax also loose, you're, Us- you're an Usman so you know same people are watching <laughs> yeah basically like don't embarrass me and he was like alright I won't and he just does uh I, I shit would you call it a, a jab? I, I, mean, I want to say it was almost a long range hook. We'll call almost. it a long hook. He throws a long left hook 30 seconds into this second round. The instant it connects, Zach Carter is out cold. Murder. And you know, he was a complete gentleman, he just walks right away. No, I'm joking. Officer, uh, he dives right I, on yeah. this guy. Officer, I'd like to press charges. Murder dives right on this guy and you know, just Murder. gets at least one more shot off. And that was pretty much the conclusion of the fight. Just had to make sure he was dead. 
And then he had to make sure that he finished the job. Mm-hmm. TJ, you have anything you want to ask? Uh, this is what I'm going to say. I I was taking notes, obviously, like how I do when I watch fights. And you know what my first sentence was for round two, right when it started? I was like, as wild of a pace that was for the first round, it looks like Usman can end it with one punch. And sure enough, boom. That was my sentence in round two. Right when I typed that, I heard the crack off of what looked like a long range. It didn't even sound normal, dude. Like it, he barely, threw, like he barely shifted his weight, and it made that type of sound. I thought Zach was dead, dude. Like mm-hmm. on his feet, and you know the the cold part is that I think Pauga did a fantastic job in that first round. But you get got, man. People get got like that sometimes. Like Pauga's footwork was uh, was incredibly like he was using the Superman step, the Superman punch footwork to also like throw uh, Usman off. It's like there were a lot of feints, a lot of just being out of range, a lot of clipping him with the jab, clipping him with the right hand. Um, Pauga with like like literally the round started and Pauga was like, all right, front kick to the face, almost on some uh, uh, um, Fabricio Verdum. Right, you know how Fabricio, I think it was like in the Travis Brown mm-hmm. Verdum fight where he starts it off with a flying sidekick, right? Like almost on that. Yeah, energy, that's absolutely the fight. You you are correct. I was uh I was like I was very impressed with like Paoga's explosiveness, but I guess that also comes from like his NFL background too. It's like you got a lot of big people in the NFL who are deceptively explosive, right? Um, and the dude was maintaining a very high pace, but then round two happened. So I'm thinking, obviously, Usman gets a contract. Obviously, he's the champ. Shout out to the uh, Usman brothers, right? Both being tough champs. Mm-hmm. I could see Pauga getting a contract, too. Uh, yeah. I think he did really, Sometimes really those well. Sometimes that's what ends up happening. Right. Um, other than that, I got nothing to add other than I was murdered, man. Yeah, man. You just well, you want to get into the... Yeah. <laughs> you want to get into the action movie that took place after that? Oh, my goodness. Luke versus Neil. Uh, oh, before we even get into that side note, uh, Usman got a performance of the night bonus for, for, that, uh, for that murder he committed. Um, Luke versus Neil. This got also a performance of the night bonus. Spoiler alert, Jeff Neil uh, got the dub via KO. Now, why is this so significant before I even dive into fighter data? I mean, this is part of fighter data, but like, Vicente Luque has never been finished up until mm-hmm. today, uh, or last night, I should say, at the time of this recording. But this was a welterweight bout. On the one end, we have Vicente, the silent assassin, Luque, 30 years old, fighting out of the UFC. Uh, UFC. Why do I always do that? The USA, Muay Thai stylist, made his UFC octagon debut back in July of 2015. Last three, least recent, most recent, right? Woodley got that dub by sub back in March of last year. Kiesa dub by sub back in August of last year. And then we covered it on the podcast uh, up against uh, Bilal Muhammad, where he took that L by unanimous decision, right? Where Muhammad used probably one of the better strategies to fight a fighter like Vicente Luque, right? Mm-hmm. Then on the other hand, we have Jeff Hands of Steel, dude, dude. Neil, yeah. 31 years old, fighting out of the USA. Uh, striking style, like high key, made his UFC, uh, U- oh my goodness, UFC. UFC Octagon debut back in February 2018. You know what it is? I'm, I'm like talking too fast. I got to slow down, right? Yeah, are you double parked right now? 
listen, I'm at home and I'm double parked. What is, how make that make sense? But yeah, last three fights, right? Least recent to most recent. We got uh Wonder Boy. He took an L2 back in December of 2020 by decision. Took an L to Magni by unanimous decision. Neil Magni, right? Back in May of last year. Then he got a dub against Ponzinibbio. That's a scrapper scrapper right there. There's some names on this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, by split decision back in December of last year. Now, do I, do I want to go over all three rounds or do I just want to do the last round? I guess I should go over, like, highlight some of the three rounds. But essentially, it was just like, Luke does what he does. He's going to pressure you to the fence. He's going to move forward. He's going to catch you with some kicks. He's going to catch you with some hands. You're going to try to, you might drop him, but he's like, okay, uh, I'm still going to be pressing forward, right? Mm-hmm. Jeff Neal is like, okay, you do your thing. I'm going to be southpaw because that's what I do. I'm going to switch every now and then. I know you might punish me with some leg kicks. Well, let me tell you something. My nickname is Hands of Steel. And sure enough, drops Luke, I want to say twice in the first round. It could have been three times, but the the third one, I think, was a legitimate slip uh, on the part of uh, Luke. Like, he might have, he, like, legit slipped on the mats, but, like, Mm. it was a legit wobble, and there was a legit drop uh, that Neil put on Luke in the first round. Now, round two... So round one, I'm definitely giving that round to Neil. Round two, Luke was like, hey, I'm Vicente, the silent assassin Luke. I've been fighting since I was a kid, basically. If you look at his like history, that dude's been fighting a really long time. Um, but like, yeah, Luke definitely like, you know, uh got got back into that round. And then round three, uh, Neil listened to his corner. They're like, hey. You need to be on the outside of his front foot. You need to circle. You need to catch. You need to make him catch these hands. You need to let him go. And sure enough, uh, Neil literally leaned forward with his controller. Like yeah. I'm not even messing around. I'm like for real. This dude leaned forward with his video game controller in his in his hand and manages to wobble Luke. Then he just spams the triangle. And unleashes, I want to say, six to seven consecutive uppercuts when he gets Luke on the fence. And then two more to finish the job. Like, when I'm saying this man spammed the uppercut button, like, he spammed. I I type, like, holy shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, he did that, Matt. Like, he just, it's like, I feel like anytime somebody talks about determination, they got to play a clip from that. That's what yeah. I think. They they just got to play a clip of Jeff Neal uppercutting a covered up Vicente Luque until he cracks through the defense and just drops Luque. It listen, hands of steel, hands of steel. He gets the dub by knockout. Got the performance of the night bonus, man. That's that's all I got to say about that. Like, and then his octagon interview. I was like, oh man, this this was my first time hearing Jeff Neal, and he's just like, he's like yeah, he brought the dog out in me. And, you know, I had to, I was like, yo. And then he, he's like calling out Gilbert Burns respectfully, though. Respect. I think it was a respectful call out. I Gilbert Burns. Be a crazy fight. I'd love dude, to see it. Dude, 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 dude. You know? So, um, yeah. What'd, what'd you think? It was on action, man. Like, I thought Jeff Neal's left hand was on fire, man. Because mm-hmm. I felt like his hand was on fire and Vicente's face was the extinguisher, the way he was throwing that bitch. And, like, mm. 
I don't mean no disrespect to Vicente at all when I say that. It's just the the left hand was on point, and that was what ultimately was doing all of the damage. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, that left hand cracked his nose, had him bleeding. You know, it was the left uppercut that he was spamming. You know, when he was spamming that punch and all of that, it's just I I overall just felt like Jeff Neal really he wanted it. Just and he wanted it. He was hungry, and that that's definitely again not to say uh, yeah. Not to say that Vicente wasn't hungry. You ever watch Vicente fight? Yeah. You know he wants to fight. Yeah. You know that's what he's there for. Um, it's just, uh, you know, it just that he wasn't the guy that night. Yeah. That night you had to give it to, you had to give it to Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal delivered, man. Mm-hmm. I've I've always been a fan of this dude. Like this dude was the manager at Walgreens when he first got in the UFC. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, worked his way really, up. Really worked his way up. Really tried to earn his spot. So, you know what I'm saying? I, I respect him. Uh, and I thought it was a great fight. Well, unless you have something else to add, do you want to take us into the main event? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, so, our main event, we had Tiago Santos versus Jamal Hill. Tiago Santos has been in the UFC since 20. 20- 13. Yeah. Um, was the guy who's been around for a while, fought in several different weight classes. Um, but he has settled at light heavyweight. I personally still, every time I see him fight, I was like, this dude is a heavyweight if I've seen one. But mm-hmm. hey, that's not my choice to make. Um, mm-hmm. He's 38 years old and his nickname is the Sledgehammer. Pretty good name, not gonna lie. I hate that. Um, yeah. Yep, 76-inch reach. And on the other end, we got Jamal Hill, 79-inch reach, 6'4". From Chicago. Oh, I'm just playing. From Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> um, currently, and he's fighting out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he has been with the UFC not that long, but he has really made a splash. You know, he's made a name for himself. He just got in a promotion in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um Pretty much twenty, uh, pretty much really, uh, twenty twenty. He had his first fight in twenty nineteen, but he got in the UFC in twenty twenty because he was on uh, Dana White's Contender Series. Yeah. But so his first UFC fight was in twenty twenty. Um, had a pretty good string of wins. Took uh took a quick loss to Paul Craig in the first round, who we just saw fight. I want to say like two weeks ago. Yep, against and, uh Uzdemir. Yep, and then he strung together two more first round finishes. Um, one of which knocking out Johnny Walker in the opening round of the fight. And that mm-hmm. guaranteed that granted him this main event spot against Tiago Santos. Um, Tiago Santos has been, like I said, with the promotion for a long time. And it's considered one of the better light heavyweight fighters. Now, he hasn't been on the upswing here lately. Um, the, he after, almost dethroned John Jones, just yeah, so you guys can understand. One of the, one of the toughest fights of John Jones's mm-hmm. career. And that was with a torn uh, MCL. So on one knee, basically. Yeah, essentially on one knee. And yeah, he took John Jones to task. However, we're here to talk about he and Jamal Hill. Now, mm-hmm. uh, early on in this fight, I felt like both guys were being very careful in that first round. It was not a lot of punches. You know, there were some leg kicks that were thrown. But in general, there was not a lot. There wasn't a ton of uh, action. Not right away until that first round bell goes off. 
by the time we get to the second round, these guys had decided they did not like each other that much. They didn't have that much respect, and they started letting their hands go. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like Jamal was landing more strikes, but Tiago was getting the better of the exchanges, which also was clear really in that first round where there were very few strikes. His face was already swollen yeah. from a glancing shot that he caught from Tiago. Yeah. Uh, Tiago, you know, as we all know, is very heavy handed, but also so is um, Jamal Hill, as we, you know, as we've been, you know, been able to see over the, the last few performances that he's had. Um, going into that second and third round, it was a bar fight, man. That's pretty much what happened. So much so that Tiago's corner had to tell him, like, <laughs> hey. this is not a bar fight. Like, you need to use your skills. Uh, you know, Tiago even was utilizing a decent amount of wrestling against Jamal Hill as well. So I was really mm-hmm. surprised with how good his wrestling was. TJ, do you want to like jump in on some of the, the wrestling jujitsu aspects since that's really more your round? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, continue. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, there were some takedown attempts that weren't a ton, but I was pretty impressed with, uh, I was pretty impressed with Jamal's takedown defense. That's what I was going to say. It's like, as the reason why I said no, nah, it's because like every time Tiago got something like Jamal just got right back up. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, he was able to either use the fence or just kind of, you know, use whatever spacing he had or needed to go ahead and get out of there. So yeah, he was able to pull off a lot of those escapes and uh, going into the fourth round. That's when things turned around and uh, about, Halfway through that that fourth round, Jamal was able to stop Tiago. Uh, he landed a, I want to say like a straight right and some elbows. And man, I mean, it looked, he just threw the kitchen sink at Santos, who had seemed tired to me like in round three. Um, but, you know, still tired or not, as, as we said, he went a five round fight on one knee and yeah. was still presenting a lot of danger. Yeah, um, it only like, takes one hit. Yeah. yeah, it only takes one hit. And Tiago Santos is proof of that. I mean, when you watch him fight, he will, he's cutting the wind when he's throwing punches. I'll just say that. Well, 100%. Um, yeah. But yeah, that essentially was the conclusion of our main event. Jamal Hill was able to get a TKO victory over Tiago Santos. Did you have anything you wanted to say or add, TJ? I think jamal hill tapped into something deep because let's be real they were both looking super gassed right at the start of the round mm-hmm. uh round four and then i was even gonna go as far as to say like you said round three for tiago looking tired i'd go as far as say round two um because round one santos looked way more spry than uh we last saw him when he was going up against who did he lose to that decision when he went against Ankalaev, like Excuse me. It looked like he started the 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 match like like trying to set a high pace. I think his best chance of success was would would have been if he dispatched uh, Hill in that first round. In all honesty, like uh, based on like how much pressure he was putting on Hill, it it, it didn't look like Hill's uh, download phase had completed up until that point. Because remember, there was that point too where it's like, all right, he got the shot, but it was a lot of. I'm going to use this shot to move you toward the fence and basically shut down your ability, lengthier, lengthier fighter to be able to use your reach on me, right? Because that's the one thing. If you are a tall fighter 
and you're fence wrestling, well, what are you not doing? You're not able to use your reach, your wide stance to be able to kick and punch at will, right? You're in close range. You got to play the short person's game now, right? So I thought uh, if Tiago had a chance, it was probably in that first round. But then, you know, some point there was just reckless abandon on, on both sides. They were just like, you know, screw this. Let's just swing. And they had some nasty exchanges. But again, round four, they were both looking pretty gassed out. And then yeah, both guys was looking banged up. Yeah. They both wore that fight home. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were, yeah. And then Hill was just like, this is a sweet dream stadium. I'm going to win. And sure enough, he pulled out that TKO victory. I got nothing to add. The card delivered. That was it. Yeah, man. I mean, that's all you could really ask for, right? Yeah. That's all you can really ask for, especially when you're watching a pay-per-view. It's like you want the card to deliver. Mm -hmm. Um, But next week, what we will be covering for the UFC is a fight that I am very worried about. Uh, We got Marlon Vera versus Dominic Cruz. Footwork. Footwork versus violence. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna be honest with you. I've the fight I've been wanting to have him have. I've been telling anybody who would hear me on this, and obviously somebody must have heard me, right? Um, mm-hmm. I've wanted to see Dominic Cruz fight Frankie Edgar. The literal instant, like the instant he moved down to that weight class, I was like, that's the fight to make. Right. Both of these guys are already considered legends and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, there's no way. That's the fight to make. Mm-hmm. So, but whatever. Um, anyway, UFC next week, we are covering Vera versus Cruz. And for boxing next week, I will be uh, covering the return of Teofimo Lopez with Teofimo Lopez versus Pedro Campa. That's going to be on ESPN and ESPN plus. Thank you guys for checking out this episode. This has been the combat episode. We talk about combat. Oh, I'm sorry. What's up? No, I just said combat. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, this is the has been our combat episode. You can hey. follow us at <laughs> Now Mind You Pod <laughs> or Now Mind You Podcast on whatever your preferred social media and podcast platforms. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Matt Hambrick, M-A-T-T-H-A-M-B-R-I-C-T-J. Where can they find you? On Instagram, Tusk4Skate, T-U-S-S, number four, underscore, S-K-A-T-E. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for checking us out. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of your listens. We appreciate each and every one of your follows. DM appreciate. us up on social media. You know, if you guys got any opinions you agree with, disagree, if you just want to talk to us about fights, reach out to us, you know, in the DMs. You know, one of us will message you back during the fights. Trust me when I tell you, we do not mind talking about these fights. True ever you know hell i mean we just showed you on a podcast how much we don't want we don't mind talking about it so hmm. you know what i'm saying follow us holla at us you got any questions you need anything you want to talk about how you think you agree with me that you know dominic cruz needs to fight frankie edgar just let me know (laughs) just let me know Uh, but with that said again for real y'all thank you we really appreciate it seriously peace peace out